This is the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of June 19th, 2020, and it's the Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author and podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, it's producer and artist, Derek Miner. What up, though? We have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we have a movie star, Bryce Dallas Howard. You know her. She was in uh, Jurassic World, uh, The Help. Uh, her dad happens to be Ron Howard. And, uh, you know, Arrested Development. Andy Griffith fans would know Ron Howard. Um, she's coming on later to tell us about her new project uh, that's uh, a documentary about dads. This is Father's Day weekend. So she's coming on to tell us about that. Also joining us later, uh, one of our favorite bands, Colony House, joins us to debut their new single and talk about the responsibility artists have in the middle of social upheaval, which is what we're in the middle of right now. So lots coming up. Uh, how, how are you guys doing? Before we get the show going, I just want to check in. Like we've had an unusual month in many ways. Just want to check in. We got all the unrest. We've got we've got the ongoing conversations in that respect. We've got still some version of quarantine. You know, the places like where I live in Florida and where Jamie lives that were early adopters of loosening the restrictions are now having a new epidemic happen. And so it's like, how are y'all doing? I'm putting in shelves in my garage. I heard that like Lowe's and Home Depot, their businesses spiked during quarantine because that's oh, like yeah. you. You're putting in shelves because you I, was at, I was at Home Depot yesterday. Could not find a parking spot. It was so full. See, yeah. I, I will say this. Quarantine has given me yet another excuse not to do stuff around the house. I just keep telling <laughs> my wife and kids who are like, Dad, when is this going to get fixed? When is this going to fix? I, and I keep saying, guys, not safe. Okay. I can't go to the hardware <laughs> store. <laughs> it, it, it's actually... I'll, I'm not making light of the, the pandemic. It's terrible. And, 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 and I've been observing every measure to protect myself and my neighbors and my family. And part of that means is I'm just not getting house projects, okay? I can't afford to risk everyone's health by me trouncing through Home Depot. Plus, I'm terrible at that stuff. So it's really kind of worked out for me to it's just out push well for you. projects. Give me another reason. Just push them to the side. Oh, we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get yeah. to that. You know, yeah. I can't go yeah. in those stores. I can't I saw, do it. I saw a, a friend uh, stop by this morning and looked like they were going to work, you know? Yeah. And after they left, I, I texted him and said like, are you, are you still working remote? Yeah. Why are you dressed up? Like I haven't worn pants in five months like like really uh, oh yeah no i'm i'm gym shorts every day all day every day he, he here's here's my challenge here here's here's the the and again uh, this is a, a a privilege problem to have but <clears throat> when i have the mask on yeah camera knows this about me <clears throat> if we go somewhere i can't help i'm a chatty person i like people okay i like conversing with people but it's the only way that i realize am i annoying this person or are we sharing a little moment together is i can see if they're laughing and smiling at the ridiculous things i'm saying to them the mask <laughs> thing is it's made it gone. very hard. The mask thing, because 
this. You don't, they know, don't know if your know. banter's. It's like you don't have your laugh track on your sitcom now. Exactly. You don't know, <laughs> and they don't know. They don't know when all they see when when all they see. And and a lot of times, if I'm out and about, I I have very sensitive eyes when it comes to light. So I'm wearing sunglasses. I usually wear like you know kicking around a baseball hat, so you can see no part of my face. And they don't know if I'm exercising like stranger danger, dry, charming wit, or if this is just a psychopath that has walked into Starbucks <laughs> and is now. I can't tell if he's joking or not. It is really, it is really harmed my my banter with strangers. Mm-hmm. The, the yeah. mask thing. Yeah, I took my kids this weekend down to Zilker Park, which is you know down here where ACL is and every that all that kind of stuff in Austin. And we went to Barton Springs. And you guys, I'm telling you, I think I say this every week. It you would not have known that we were in a pandemic by the amount of people swimming in Barton Springs. And I know it's outside. They're like, go play outside and all the things. It was so crowded and I don't like crowds. And so I'm like, we got to get out of here. And besides the fact, if you guys have all been to Austin, right? Mm-hmm. We keep yeah. it weird here, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very. We're at Barton Springs. I've got my boys. And what do you know? The people behind us, my kids are like, what is that funny smell? And I'm like, well, let me tell you guys, just say no to drugs because this is what's happening right now. So we're down there, global pandemic. My kids they're, are exposed. They're cooking meth right they're there. Cooking, All the Texans are just cooking They're meth. smoking weed. And then my son, Amos, was like, this smells like ACL. I was like, yes, you've smelled this before. <laughs> it smells, it like, smells ACL. like ACL, yes. So we were outside hanging out with everybody else in Austin. Yeah. It's, illegal, it's, not, it's not legal in Texas, though, huh? I don't think so, but I mean, Gray literally, area. they were. It, does, it doesn't matter. It, does, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They were less than six feet away from me. So there's number one problem. And number two, they were smoking weed. So do there it was. Do y'all wear masks when you go out in public? I oh. do, but not outside. Yeah, if I go into a store or something, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I don't because my glasses fog up. Like, even with the nose clip, like, I, I can't help. You're just pushing hot, steamy air into your glasses. I go blind. I can't. I literally right. can't. He, he, here's the irony of the mask thing, right? It's like I'm wearing a mask not because I'm overly concerned about contracting uh, uh, coronavirus. You know, no, a couple people who have had, so so you're not going to help or make other people exactly. You're not exactly. going to be a carrier I, for I, it. Yeah, I've yeah. had I've I, I've had people in my family who have who have had it and for were asymptomatic for a long time while they uh, you, you know were still testing positive. And right. so you know in my in my mind, I'm doing the thoughtful thing by wearing a mask, even though I'm not. I don't. I I'm pretty sure I'm I'm healthy. I just want to do it for others around me. I feel like it's, yeah. it's the right thing to do. Well, I was at I was at an eating establishment the other day, and it was the first time I've had a meal inside a place. I, I've had I've had one outside meal at, at at a place that was doing outdoor seating, and this was the first time they closed up half of the tables. You know, so mm-hmm. so they're spreading people out. And but they had a thing that if you're at the it was it was it was a place where you walk to the cash register and you place your order and go sit. It wasn't like a waiter situation. So I go place my order and I'm wearing my mask, doing my due diligence, go sit. And then, uh, you know, there's somebody walks in without the mask and they look and they're kind of like, they roll their eyes and they go back out and they come in with the mask. All right, fine. Is there a rule there in Virginia to wear masks? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. it's it's the it's it's the it, it, I, I don't know how enforceable it is, but it's the it's the rule. And okay. so. The next person that walks in is an elderly couple, okay? And they go up to place the order, and the lady at the cash register is like, hey, listen, we uh, we require a mask here. Can you, do you mind just going and grab a mask, and I'll take your order? And she, 
You would have thought that they, they, they told the people, you know, we, 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 you know, you can no longer order drinks with ice at this establishment by lo- <laughs> mandate of the governor. You know, you would have thought that they were asking. It's like, and they like made a big scene and stormed out. And these people were probably in their late seventies. Okay, like they need and to I put want, a mask on. I want to be like, we're doing this for you. <laughs> like, I don't want to be. I don't want to wear the mask in here. You, you guys causing this thing about this? Don't you understand? We're, we're none of us are concerned. This this is a young people's place. All right. This is a Taco Tuesday situation. Every person that gets psyched for Taco Tuesday, I guarantee you, is under the age of the people who are at risk. And, and for them to make a big stink, I don't want to wear the mask. Nobody wants to. We're doing it for you. Don't don't cause a big scene. It was very frustrating to I me. I don't get the people who cause the big scenes. I, I encountered one uh, the other day. I was at Home Depot. And when you're checking out, they have stickers on the floor. You know, that mm-hmm. are six feet apart, stand, yeah. stand here. And and Home Depot designed it in a way that the stickers say social distancing real big, right? Yeah. So I'm in line and the guy comes up behind me on his dot and he goes real loud just for everybody. Just incredulous. Social distancing, mo- more like socialism. And he's like looking around. <laughs> He's like looking around, like, "Hey, someone, who's with me?" And I'm like, "Call the burn unit." Yeah, and like everybody's like, "Don't make eye contact with that guy." It's like, I was like, "I don't think you know what socialism is." If you think a rule of social distancing is socialism, but Sean whatever. Hannity told me that the Wuhan <laughs> sickness is only, you know, that, that doctor, that communist doctor Fauci. Don't you know? It's like we're doing this for you, old people. Like. All right. We'll move the show along. Uh, As we do every week, we want to bring in relevant senior editor, Tyler Huckabee, who has his finger on the uh, pulse of what's happening. Uh, For the last month, we haven't been bringing our normal hot list stuff, and we thought this week should be no different. So just uh, bring us a little bit of the news that we're covering at Relevant Every Day. Please welcome Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tyler. Hey, Tyler. So what is going on in the relevant world? Well, there's really there, there are a few stories, but we're going to spend most of our time on kind of the, the big story of the week that oh, I'm no. sure people oh, are already, no. for the most part, kind of aware of. But there is a lot to it. And we, we wanted to the provide context. story ever to come out of. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable even referencing. I mean, I, I do feel like, yeah, we should address it. But yeah. I, I, mm. I watched this clip several times and the uh-huh. whole time it. All I it, it, I could and I don't I'm not someone who gets uncomfortable in awkward situations. Yeah, this no, was beyond awkward. You this love was Scott's just, tots. Yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. You know, this <laughs> this was a Scott's tots moment. The background is last weekend, uh, Louis Giglio, pastor of Passion City Church, sat down with Lecrae and uh, the Chick-fil-A CEO, Dan Cathy. Now stop there real fast. I don't know and cannot find and have and have asked why uh, I, I understand Lecrae. I do understand why Louis was there. Dan Cathy's involvement is a question mark for me. Uh, <laughs> this this sounds like a joke. It's not a joke. Uh, it, he was there. He was on stage. It's like, OK, we're going to have a multicultural discussion about race. It. Let's make sure we have mm-hmm. the oldest white guy we can find yeah. to join us. Uh, it makes no sense. I don't yeah. I don't pretend to understand it. But what? Those, they these made, are the people involved. Made- Chicken actually Christian. I don't see why he wouldn't be there. So many chickens to Christianity. So yeah, he actually somehow he got fried chicken saved. I don't even know how <laughs> theologically that's possible, but he did it. So the idea was that this would be an extended conversation, a panel discussion about race in America. There's been a lot of these summits that have popped up across America uh, over the past few few weeks, obviously, as churches are seeking more intentional 
traditional roles in this movement, uh, which is, you know, broadly speaking, a good thing. But the conversation did take an awkward turn when uh, when Giglio suggested that maybe white privilege should be renamed white blessing. Um, the 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 reason for this seems to be that this would make a this is language that would make a little more sense for a faith audience. Uh, that that uh, there's there were it, it was a it was whatever he was trying to say was not <laughs> what was communicated. Clearly speaking, and uh, and words matter, and we understand that. There's a reason this is referred to as white privilege. Um, the white blessing started trending on Twitter nationally uh, for the wrong reasons uh, and uh, a lot of people spoke up on it. I've done a little roundup of a lot of people's thoughts about it some some tweets and Instagrams and Facebook posts you can read those over at relevantmagazine.com it was a it was a really really big busy hot topic of discussion uh, that did spur a lot of like good conversation but very passionate conversation this did lead to an apology video from Louis that he posted on uh, on Tuesday. I do want to play a clip of that apology that he had to say. I just wanted to come directly to you today and sincerely apologize for the use of the phrase on Sunday, white blessing. And I extend that apology today to every single person who is listening to me right now. But you know, most importantly, I extend that apology to my black brothers and sisters. I like so many am so burdened about what is happening in our nation right now and i'm heartbroken about where we are as a nation and one of the things that i'm most heartbroken about is trying to help myself continue to learn and to help my white brothers and sisters understand that white privilege is real and in trying to get that sentiment across on sunday i used the phrase white blessing for which i'm deeply sorry horrible choice of words does not reflect my heart at all. I don't, to be clear, believe there's any blessing in slavery. Was this pre-recorded or was it live? What the three of them did? It was did? the church service. It was, okay. This is my, fundamentally, this is an issue I have with the format, right? So it's like, okay, uh, it, this isn't passion only. This is uh, every <laughs> predominantly white church in America right now, almost it seems. It's like, hey, the white pastor is going to have a conversation about race this Sunday. So I'm going to bring up a black leader and it'll be the white leader and the black leader talking about things. My thing is like, why do we have to have the white leader there? Just give just give the platform to Lecrae or let Lecrae lead a panel discussion. Don't have two old white men interviewing Lecrae and let Lecrae lead and say and just say what needs to be said. Why are we guiding the conversation? That was my issue fundamentally with it. Or, or have a diverse teaching staff where there yeah. is a, 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 you know, hopefully a black pastor or minister that the congregation is already regularly hearing from that yeah. is equipped to bring, you know, a, a perspective from a voice that the the congregation knows and trusts instead of doing like these, hey, let's have, you know, sit down at a fake, you know, coffee table and, you know, figure talk. You know what I mean? Like, it, I, I think that's a the, the church I go to. The lead pastor is African American, but the, there's four on the teaching team. It's two black and two white. And so when they did the race discussion, you know, it's, everything's virtual right now. But when they did the race discussion thing, the panel was like the teaching team that we already know and their wives. I mean, it was like it was like here. Here's the leadership of this church talking about things together. That made sense to me. But to bring in like an outside guest to like educate us, it's like why are we having to 
guide the conversations. That's my thing is like, I, I just wish that Lecrae could have just had the platform. This never would have happened, you know, but it's, it's yeah. like, like what I see, it, it's, it's like when you first start working out and you're like, you know, okay, I haven't worked out in a long time. You know, you I'm, about to get, I'm about to get back into <laughs> it. So, <laughs> no, me too. Why so, are you looking at me when you said that? Though? So, look, <laughs> you start working out and you're like, whoa, I'm really out of shape. And just the more you work out, the more you realize how much you're out of shape. That's kind of where I feel the white church is at right now. It's like, oh. they're like, oh, okay, yeah. we got a problem. And then they're like trying to lift this dumbbell. And that's what the Lou Giglio thing was. It's like, oh, no, we're really jacked up because you're right. Ideally, you shouldn't have to go, you know, draft Lecrae to come in to help. It should be this, like what your church is, is it's already a level of, of diversity where you could bring people you already know that can have the conversations and know the room and all that. And I agree with you in the same way. I'm like, yo, why in the world is the panel about race, two white guys and a black dude? Right. Like it should be the opposite. It should right. be two black guys and, and and a white guy. Like, like that. That's the mistake. And I think that it, you see the fundamental issues here. Uh, and I think another big issue is I think the what's going to be hard for a lot of people like the Lou Giglios and these guys that have these massive uh, followings is realizing that you're not the expert here. Hmm. Like you, you're not the expert. You don't know what you're talking about. You need to sit down and listen. That's going to be really hard to relinquish when you've had that much power to where you say things and it starts movements. And it's going to be really hard for you to to sit back and say, you know what? I'm going to listen to the 30 something year old rapper about race and just sit down and let him speak and let him correct, you know, how, how I feel like that. That's going to be really hard moving forward if the work is going to be done. But I believe if it is, if that happens, then you'll see some fruit, but I don't know if it's like a, the, people want a level of comfort or like, uh, okay. So I see, I, I, I like on, on uh, Wednesday relevant, I've been running relevance Instagram for the last couple months. And we posted uh, uh, on Instagram, we posted an article that, that Tyler had put together for the site of 25 black leaders in the justice space. Like these are mm. Christian leaders that have been talking about and fighting for racial equality these are people you need to be following and listening to. Right. And it's not an exhaustive list. It's 25. Right. And some of the comments were like, well, where are the white leaders that are in, that have been doing this? And like, why can't, and I'm like, we, and I'm commenting as relevant. Like we have been intentional that we are, we are giving the platform to African-American leaders. This is not the time to try to say, well, there are some good white people doing this work too. That's just like, who cares? That's great. Good. Keep doing it. But like right now, that is not the time. They do not need the microphone. We need to like give the microphone fully to our black leaders who are, you know, and then we need to like shut up and listen. That's my feeling. It's like yeah, the church yeah. needs to shut up and listen right now. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question for you guys. How does how does Louie move forward from this? I mean, here's the fear of like every white person that's speaking out that I'm going to say something wrong. And so then what if what what about when I do? I have a podcast. I mean, thankfully, it's not live, you know, because we can mm. take care of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cut but, out all the cursing and stuff. Yeah, cut out all the cursing. <laughs> but, but I mean, what what it, there have been times on a show not and. 
not with race, but with other issues where I've said, hey, I need someone to listen to this because did I say this wrong? Because I'm, I'm not familiar with this content, correct my language here. How does a person move forward from this is what I want to know. Humility. That, Which do you, you think you, that he did? Yeah, I think you did it. But the, the thing is, I think the, the bit, I think the apology, dope, good. But what has to happen is just like right now, I'm not a pilot. So I'm not going to get on American Airlines and say, let me fly the plane. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to go find. It's like what we do in everything else. I'm sure Louis Giglio is an extremely smart person, but I guarantee you he was not the lead builder on building the church. He went, got experts that were great at building things and said, let me sit back and let me and let me listen to you and let me put let me let you take the lead on this and that's the big issue that is going that's going to be the big issue for white people across the world is they're going they're going to have to they're going to have to realize in this space if we're talking justice and equity we have to sit back and say how do we we haven't done this well for 400 years how do we make sure we don't keep doing it for the next 400 years. And then you ask the people who want justice and equity, what do you want? Yeah. Like, what do you want? How do we do this? And then also be okay with making the mistake. Like that, that at some level, like I can't, like, I want to be a good husband. So when my wife corrects me and says, you're not being a good husband in this moment, like I can't be like, Oh, I just give up. I'm just going to keep doing it. Like, yeah. I have to say, you know what? That hurt, that stung, I made a mistake. Please bear with me and continue teaching me how to serve you and love you better. You know, I think, and that's where the humility part comes in. And it's going to be for all of us. It's going to be, we're going to have, like, as a black man, I'm going to have to also have humility too, to know that I don't want to have friendly fire with my white friends that misspoke, right? But their heart is in the right place. But what I've learned is for my white friends that do do that, they, they, Quickly, when I tell them, hey, that hurt, that was wrong, that was off, they're quickly running to say, yo, I'm sorry, that was not my intention. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's going to be the issue here. And that's what I've seen that hasn't happened often. You know, that's at least my opinion. Yeah. And it seems like people like uh, like Louis can uh, in some ways kind of light themselves on fire so the rest of us can see the way. You know, like mm. you, we can learn, we can learn from this and that sucks. That, that, that sucks for Louis Giglio. That, that, that sucks for anybody who makes mistakes, especially as a public platform, but you do learn and embarrassment's a great teacher and the rest of us can learn from that and, and we'll have to be paying close attention to learn from that. My thing is like then to see long tail, like what, what fruit comes from this. Yeah. Anybody yeah. can throw a apology video up when you're globally trending on Twitter and the internet comes after you, you know, but like, but like, okay, so let's see this walk out. And, and two, I'm I'm sure you'll bring this Tyler Lecrae got caught in the crossfire of this too, and has had to respond. And I just feel so bad for him, but you want to tell us the rest of this story? Lecrae talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So Lecrae was there. Um, and, uh, and Lecrae at the, at the, time during the actual talk, he did not weigh in on the white blessing thing, but he uh, obviously put a lot of thought into it. There was a lot of conversations around. Well, like, yeah, he's sitting there. If you watch the video, he's sitting there and, and this phrase is said yeah. and you can, and it's almost like Lecrae was paralyzed. He was stunned with what he was hearing. You see but his he, eyes, didn't, yeah. he didn't immediately like, like say no, no, he didn't call Louis out on stage at passion church 
in the middle of what was happening, he kind of, you know, I think he was shocked, frankly, but he didn't address it directly at that moment. And that's what people have been criticizing Lecrae for. Well, let's put, let, I don't want to put any words into his mouth. He did release a video uh, the next day uh, about it, which is like, Jamie, I think you said that you saw it. Let's play a little bit of that, Clark. What's up, y'all? All right, so let's talk about it. About now, everybody's seen the video with myself and Lou Giglio, and uh, you're wondering what the heck is going on. Well, first of all, let me just say this. Um, thank y'all. Like, sincerely, thank y'all for y'all just acknowledging the pain and the frustration that y'all had uh, with everything that you've seen. I know this is a... a it's it's rough, you know what I'm saying? We're talking about 345 years, 400 years of, of chattel slavery and then 89 years of Jim Crow. And uh, we're battling still in 2020. And so I appreciate y'all acknowledging the pain and the frustration that you have with what was said. Um, it's helped me process a lot as well. First of all, I want you to know I wasn't okay with it. Um, even as I sat there, I was very uncomfortable and I was processing on like, man, how do I, what do I say in light of this? Um, it's been a lot of times where um, as I've navigated white supremacy or, or, or racial injustice, where I've just been trying to figure out, um, you know, where I wanted to lash out, honestly, in anger. And there's other moments where I've been like, all right, God, give me the grace and the wisdom on how to deal with this. And um, in that moment, I was processing like, man, how do I, what do I do? Um, I ended up having a conversation with him subsequently, you know, right after we talked. And then I talked to him again last night and um, and, and let him know my, my views and my perspectives. And obviously I, I wasn't OK with it. And we can't just be virtue signaling and doing this because it's the end thing to do to talk about race on platforms. Um, and I didn't have any ulterior motives other than to, you know, help uh, and, and, and articulate, you know, some of what's going on in our world and in our culture. So uh, I just want to thank you all, uh, especially my black sisters who have been on the front lines. Um, you know, I know y'all going through a lot this week and I just want to encourage y'all and thank y'all uh, for everything uh, that y'all have said. And, um, and thanks for the encouragement. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. Obviously I'm not okay with, you know, changing white privilege to white blessing. That's a privilege in and of itself. Um, but you know, man, um, yeah, we, we, uh, we, 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 we talked about it and we're going to continue working through it. So I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. And then Tyler, can I add to that? Uh, on Wednesday, yeah. after he posted that video on Wednesday, he tweeted and posted on Instagram. He said some additional thoughts. So these are Lecrae's words. He said, processing a lot. I think in my attempt to be diplomatic and gracious, I missed an opportunity to care for the pe- the very people I came to represent. I knew I was uncomfortable, but I was so excited to educate. I still have some gaps in my education. I'm grateful for Austin Channing Brown for making a lot of things clear for me. Definitely. Uh, was hurt, but I also realized we're all hurt. I'm grateful for people praying for me and encouraging me. I have a lot of racial trauma. After spending the last few years battling racism within the evangelical church, I was in a dark place. In that interview, I feared going back there. I'm healing, but not healed. I'm definitely protecting myself from a breakdown. I want to be clear. I'm sorry for anyone who was let down and hurt. This was good for me in many ways. It burns, but it burns in a helpful way. Lamentations 3 has comforted me. I'm grateful for the love, even the tough love. Do, do you guys think too that this will speak to a, an issue that I think, you know, on kind of a broader scope that has kind of taken foothold in modern evangelical culture, which is because someone is a pastor, and I want to paint with too broad a brush, but I think I think what we saw was was emblematic of, the, of emblematic of this. But because someone is a pastor, it, it it makes them have this sense that they're suddenly qualified to talk about everything. Like you know, mm. you'll see a pastor write a book, mm. you know, who's not a marriage counselor, write a book about mm-hmm. you know, mar- and look, it doesn't disqualify qualify you like there are mm-hmm. lots of past you know pastoral resources that are great about things you know whether it's finances or marriage or a social issue like race or but 
Look, just because someone maybe went to seminary doesn't necessarily make them the one that the most qualified person to take an hour out of somebody's week to teach them about financial principles or race relations or, you know, complicated, um, you know, relational things that the congregants might be dealing in marriage. Why not have someone who is qualified, who has a training in a certain area? Why not surrender the platform, not just when there's a national, you know, kind of outcry because uh, of something like we're experiencing now? Why not make it just a regular part of hmm. the, 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 the Christian experience where if, if I'm, if I'm going to have, if I want practical application of theology to everyday life, a pastor is definitely equipped for that. But, hmm. A pastor isn't necessarily equipped to talk or qualified to talk about every issue. And I feel like that is is a, a big issue I've observed over and over again, that because someone has a big church, they suddenly think they are allowed to be the expert on everything. To make your point, what's interesting mm. is I've seen a little bit of that happen, but it's usually, uh, I've been, you know, I'm in charismatic church. So that's where I grew up. That's what I go to now. But uh, that uncomfortable week where the pastor has to teach about tithing. It's like, Ooh. he didn't want to seem like self-serving that he's teaching about yeah. tithing. So I've been to churches where they'll bring in like Robert Morris. Cause he's got mm -hmm. a gift for like that mm -hmm. message of tithing mm -hmm. and giving. And so like they have surrendered the pulpit to an expert when it's something like tithing, but they don't do it with other things. And that's interesting. That's a really good point, man. I think I would want to know. And if Louie and Lecrae are friends, or was he just invited because they reached out to him and he, they thought he would be a good voice? Did they do know each other because just recently they both were them, them two and Tim Tebow went and visited Robbie Zacharias right before okay. he passed away. Oh, yeah, so yeah. he posted yeah, that publicly. Done, he's done passion 30 times. That's right. Okay. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. I think what I'm feeling, even as someone who has a space where I want to have conversations about this, like on my on my podcast, The Happy Hour, is um, I'm not Available someone wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I'm not someone who would find would call myself an expert on this at all. But a couple of years ago, I, I looked up and I was like, man, I host a show and the only people I interview are like 40 year old white women. Something has to change. And so that shift happened on the show about four years ago. And when that shift happened and I started inviting other people on, I started learning more. Like I started to be like, oh, I'm listening to you. Like I'm bringing you on and you're teaching me and you're teaching my listeners. And I think that's kind of what you were talking about earlier with Derek. Derek, you were saying is like we giving that platform away. And it does even make me wonder even more why Chick-fil-A was there. I still now I'm even more confused when right. I think about it, you know. Um, How but, lucky does he feel to have dodged this whole thing? Brother, just like, <laughs> it could have been him. Like, it could have <laughs> He, he was yes. doing like the Peter Griffin. He was doing like the Peter Griffin, like slowly sliding under the chair until he's just literally oh, as, as like a worm rolling off the stage. When you look up and Dan Cathy is on the stage, slowly rolling towards the stage. What you don't realize is that there was a unity lunch after service that Chick-fil-A was hosting. That's why. That's why. That's why. Yeah. Chick-fil-A has too many problems right now. They do not need that one. That's it. Why I'm worried, wondering why he said yes to that. Well, well, well it, it was it was obviously it was on a Sunday morning, so Dan Cathy's got nothing to do. Yeah, he was off. He's like, I'm just gonna pop in. I was gonna pop in. Yeah, but my whole point was saying these conversations happen best when you are willing to say, "Hey, this is my friend, and they're an expert in this, and I'm bringing them to my audience," which is what Louis was doing. I'm bringing you in, and so I didn't see the whole thing. I don't know who ran the show, Louis. Chick-fil-A or Lecrae. So I don't, I don't really understand that. But the point I'm trying to say is inviting someone into your space because I can understand Louis wanted to educate his 
maybe majority white church on issues that are current right now. And I respect that and love that. Um, But there is this kind of humility that you have to take of saying, I'm going to let you speak into this because I'm here to learn. I'm a listener here. And I didn't Mm -hmm. see the whole thing. So I have no idea if it looked like that or not. It was a dialogue. It wasn't. Okay. It was definitely back and forth. It was not, you know, 90, 10, it was 50, 50. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, part of it, too, is like um, the, the, the to, to the point of like, I feel like the the a lot of churches are, are slow to kind of realize that, like, you know, uh, the, to the point of like a pat platform isn't a qualification. You necessarily it's like you, you've seen this happen. Like, I don't know. This is pr- probably a little nerdy, but like the last NBA draft, they had Maria Taylor, who she's been on this podcast. Uh, you know, is a former college athlete, is a professional sports analyst, do the do the interviews with the players after they're drafted. And it was probably the best it, the one of the best, what, most watchable drafts ever, because in years past, they have someone who's just a TV personality. Hey, go down to the floor and talk to this basketball player, even though you're not qualified to talk about basketball and the product suffers. And I think the church can like learn a lot from an example like that. Yeah. Why don't we actually have someone who has experience and, and, and knows this world? Why don't we give them the platform for the benefit of everyone, not just for the obviously I think it's good to your point, Jamie, not just for the sake of 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 having, you know, a collection of diverse voices, which is important, but also we learn a lot. We learn a lot from people that are knowledgeable in about certain things when they actually have the opportunity to speak, you know? And here, and, and I think this is another issue I, I find right now. And I'm a rapper, so this is not a slight at all. Because Lecrae, look, here's one thing I can say about Lecrae. I know Lecrae personally. I've known him. Lecrae discipled me, showed me how to read my Bible. And the thing about it, I know like so a lot of criticism against them, like, yeah, what people want, black people are angry right now. And that was egregious what Louis Giglio said. And they, we wanted him to, to, to rise up and correct them in the moment. But, you know, sometimes when people say something so foolish, you just get froze. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I think that's, I think that's what happened. Yeah. I know, I, I know for a fact it's not, Lecrae was scared. I mean, he's literally lost show after yeah. show and thousands of dollars because of his pushback to white evangelicalism. But here's the thing that I think that we can grow from it. And I want people to, to hear on this podcast. You don't have to every time there's an issue in the black community, go get a freaking rapper, basketball player, football player. Like we have people that have dedicated their lives to this. Mm-hmm. Like literally dedicated their lives to this. Like, why don't we go get Dr. Eric Mason? That's good, yeah. Why don't we go get a Kimini? Charlie Dates. Why don't we go get why don't we go get these people that that you you know they don't have the celebrity because th- that kind of makes me feel a way. It's like, okay, did we bring Lecrae on because he's the most qualified? He's qualified. That's my because he's gonna get the most listeners. Because he's gonna yeah. get the most listeners. What what where's Pastor Eric Mason? He's, really he's been doing this for the longest. Yep. D.A. Horton, where yep. where are these guys at? Like, and we have them. It's just yeah. they don't get lifted They're up. They're on relevantmagazine.com, I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> absolutely <laughs> these last absolutely. few weeks, man. Uh, Dr. Eric Mason was on Darius Daniels podcast last week on Relevant mm-hmm. Podcast Network, and it was unbelievable that conversation. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you, man. That's that's my thing too, is like, and I and I use this word carefully, but it, it, when I see some of the response from the white church and, and like Jesse pointed out, Hey, at least 
I mean, it's let's acknowledge that it's positive that they're trying, right. but it feels some of it feels misguided and tokenism. It's like, this is, is this the only week that you're gonna have a black man on your stage and you didn't even give it to him fully. You just kind of had him with, he was one third of the stage exactly. and, and it won't happen again ever. Like, that's my thing is like, <laughs> this isn't enough. And like, and like you said, why Lecrae? Why not Lecrae and, or let Lecrae choose five or six or seven leading voices that sure Lecrae's up there to bring in the big crowd. And then he's going to say, and you need to listen to these people who have shaped my worldview, my worldview and theology. You know what I mean? But he didn't have the opportunity to do that. And that, that, that's what bothers me. You got my man out here by himself. Over right. Yeah. <laughs> with, right. with the Chick-fil-A man. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the camera and the cameras light on him and he's by himself. And somebody said something ridiculously foolish and it's on him to try to play defense and offense at the same mm-hmm. time. Because yeah. the issue that he's dealing with, too, is, you know, say he responded with rage. Yeah. Say yeah, he yeah. Then he looks. No, yeah. he looked like the angry, angry black, black man. man. That, yeah. That 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 is uh that. You know, we don't want him to speak anymore because he's going to go overboard. It's like, so you have to be almost mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. And that's, that doesn't, you can't have perfection. Like, we have to have a think tank of multiple different people. Let's bring the arts, but let's bring education and, and let's bring the religion together and say, hey, why can't we get Dr. Claude Anderson, get different yeah. people together and say, let's figure this out, you know? That, that's why whenever I'm thinking through a complicated social political, yeah. uh, uh, global, uh, economic issue, yeah, uh, or, or things that really get to the core of, 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 of historical and contemporary cultural issues. Mm-hmm. I call the guy that started five guys, burgers and fries and just chop <laughs> it up. See what he thinks. What's your take, man? What's your take? People want to know. People want to know. Here's a chair on the stage. The man oh started five. Have you guys had a five guys? Have you had a five guys? Oh, it's delicious. What do you think about what's going on in America? I feel so bad for Lecrae. I do. I just feel I bad do. for Lecrae. Uh, I'm I'm flabbergasted by what happened. I feel bad for Lecrae, and I'm confused by why the Chick Fil A guy was sitting on the stage. <laughs> That's a Kathy Erasure. He's probably, he's probably he's probably just like glad he didn't ask me what I call white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh man! Okay, I, I have a theory. I have a theory that like they were gonna have him like on for another like sermon. I, I don't know about like you know being an entrepreneur. Real spirit or whatever, you know, like they're gonna do a special series, and they sent out the invite, and they said they had the date wrong. And when he showed up, everyone's there so nice. They're like, "Just grab another chair, just put him up there." Just, you know, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Just put him up there. You know, yeah, they plan these things out a year in advance, and so you're right. This was Entrepreneurship Sunday, yeah. and was, well, but we got to pivot. Well, we don't want to disinvite him. So you know, Lecrae's in the green room, and he's like, he looks over, he's like. Is that the Chick Fil A guy? Is <laughs> <laughs> he supposed to be yeah, here? Yeah. He's gonna come out on stage. I mean, if I want to know how to make an amazing chicken sandwich, yeah. I'm definitely going to go to Dan Cathy, but That's I right. do not want him speaking on the nuance of race in the church. That's the last thing I want to hear from Dan Cathy And you Cathy don't want right him now. building your house. That's the other thing I learned. That's the other thing. Just, we won't want him frying our chicken. That's it. Yeah. Listen, listen. I mean, my wife need to go through some, some, some counseling, some marriage counseling. I need a qualified voice. What's the guy who started Chick-fil-A doing? Uh, maybe, you know what I mean? It's that same mindset, though, of like, oh, here's a one-size-fits-all person, you know? Okay, well, can I say one more thing, Tyler? I'm yeah, sorry. This no, is what I'm hopeful because yeah. I know this is hard and difficult and everyone's going to be scared. I hope in a year, I don't know what life's going to look like in a year. 
year. But I hope that just is still important to church to talk about in a year. Like that this is not something mm. where like we're going to check off our box. We brought in the black pastor from across the railroad tracks and then we let him come to our church and speak. And then we're not going to do anything. So my hope is that this will still be happening in September and in December and next March. Like it's not just done now with white churches. I, I was, I mentioned Darius Daniels earlier and I was texting with him a few days ago and I forget how it came up. Oh no, he was asking me, he's like, Hey, do you know so-and-so? He asked me to come on for an interview for his podcast or whatever. And I was like, no, I don't know. I said, are you getting a lot of interview requests? And you know, cause we just launched this podcast with him five weeks ago. And I was just curious. And Darius is crazy. Uh, on Sunday this past week, he spoke the virtual service. He did the sermon for Vu Church, Hillsong, and Transformation Church all at the same time. Wow. It was Darius Daniels. I've never seen that before. It's That's crazy. Amazing. That's amazing. So I was just asking him, like, are you are you getting more interview requests? He goes, you know, honestly, this is before Sunday. Uh, he said, I'm just getting asked a lot uh, to do interviews about race. And I was like, mm. and I was like, really? I was like, that's not even been your primary message. I mean, his new book is Relational Intelligence, and he's a, got a doctorate in, in Princeton Seminary, and he's an amazing Bible teacher. Mm. And But his primary message hasn't been about racial equality. And I was like, why are they just asking you about race? I mean, I was like, were you getting interview requests before all this? He goes, no. Nah. And, and, and. And and then we got talking about it and it was like that. And I, I told him that that pissed me off by the end of our conversation. He's like, man, I'm just really discouraged right now <laughs> because I was talking about the white church has been doing this. It's like they've been, they have not reached out to these black leaders at all to include them on their platforms. And then now all of a sudden, oh, uh, we want to talk to you, but we want to only talk to you about race. Like mm-hmm. talk to Darius Daniels in nine months about another sermon series or another thing that he's expert in. Like, why are you just pigeonholing him right now? That that thing that bothered me and that and please don't equate the Hillsong uh, transformation that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But like mm-hmm. to me, these voices have so much more to offer the body of Christ. The fact that the white church is pigeonholing them uh, really, really ticks me off. I, I heard it's hard because that's so relative right now. I mean, like it's hard because this is what people are wanting to hear. And again, it's difficult because you're like, yes, we're thankful that you're saying something. Yes, we're thankful that you're engaging the conversations. <clears throat> yes, keep doing it. And so that's my point of saying, are you still going to be engaging in a year? So if you right. engage now and right. it's your first time, I'm happy for you. Like, welcome to the game. I'm glad you showed up. Right. We've been waiting on you. Are you going to be here next year, though? That's the right. question that I keep wondering. Right. And here's the pro, the pro tip I would say is. It's the it's after the dust settles. And then the relationships are built where the Darius Daniels and the Charlie Dates can come in and talk about more than race. More than race. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's yeah. going to expand your perspective to right. help you not be so limited in how you see black people. Because yeah. now you, you're, you're going to have a, a, more, a more diverse perspective. And, and you're right. If, if after a year, if it's like, I know it's like clockwork. Every time a black kid gets killed or something crazy happens, my phone's going to light up for people to ask me about this. No one's going to ask me about my 12-year marriage with my wife <laughs> and, and how, <laughs> how we did that. You know what I'm saying? Like, no one's going to ask those things. And that you're, you're absolutely right. It's going to take... America is not really good at holistic things, right? We're really good at trying to find the magic bullet, the, the cheat code. But there's no cheat code to this. There's mm. going to have to be actual 
engagement and 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 it's going to have to be actual growth and relationships built so that we can 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 grow and move forward well i think i'm gonna tyler just a side note can we can we go ahead and shelve that interview with a couple of sort of panera bread i had some hard hitting <laughs> stuff for them <laughs> let's just let's just hold that to like maybe we can do like an interview about gluten or something i don't know we'll find something but i think i think they were confused by it, the request but they said yeah. yes so it's, yeah, yeah i know i mean i already, I already, I already recorded I, I already recorded one with a lady that started quiznos and uh, <laughs> Barbara Quizno, she's yeah. a loudmouth. Uh, yeah. I, I immediately, I, I, she says, I don't want to say uncomfortable truths because they're not true, but they're, they're definitely uncomfortable. So she, had some, she had some thoughts. She had some. <laughs> All right. Well, you got anything else, Tyler? Uh, yeah. I'm a little palate center. To, to get us in the rest of the podcast. I do it. This is exciting. Uh, I think most of us all I do want to put a little bit of uh, context around it. Uh, we we got our Parks and Rec back for one night. We got Community back. And next month, we're going to get the return of 30 Rock for a brand wow. new hour-long special on lockdown. It's kind of the ripest plum of that era of NBC, of NBC shows that was like, maybe not the gold, maybe the silver era of NBC, like yeah. the post-Friends, like, but yeah. still Office, very... 30 post, Rock. Post, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 But, a, but a very uh, a strong... And 30 Rock was probably the brightest jewel of that bunch. They're getting everybody back on July 16th. Dina Fey, Alec Baldwin, Tracy Morgan, Jane Krakowski, Jack McBrayer will show to reprise their roles. Uh, and then it'll head over to uh, Peacock, which is the NBC's new streaming service, which is actually going to be free. Um, I think that what's interesting about this one hmm. is it's also going to double as a reunion slash upfront special, which means they will be using the show to help debut their new lineup of shows that debuts in the new season. How they're going to do that, it's not totally clear. Upfront specials haven't really been a thing for a long time. That's something that networks used to do a lot of. Then they kind of faded away. Now it seems like it could be pretty easy to see how like like Jack and Liz could be talking about like new clips they want to air. I don't know exactly how they're going to do it, but that's what the show is going to look like. I has everybody has everybody tried the did you try the Parks and Rec and Community shows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The I like the Parks and Rec reunion. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I've never yeah. seen either I, one of them. I've not seen all three. I'm going to keep it honest. Derek, you don't watch 30 Rock? I've never seen. No, I've seen Parks and Rec. I've seen three episodes of that. And I've never seen Community. And I've never seen 30 Rock in my life. Well, I mean, so Community has Childish Gambino. I mean, so I, I know, I know. I mean, I know. seeing I him kind of evolve and well, all that, Don, that was Donald Glover actually started as a writer on 30 Rock. Uh, Tina yeah. Hay, mm-hmm. Tina Fey. Yeah, his breakout. But yeah. 30 Rock is one of the most brilliantly written comedies and it is, it is perfect. I mean, Tracy Jordan's hilarious. Uh, I would actually say laughs per minute. Yeah. Like I feel like the office is great at at a contemporary reimagining. Uh, it, it's it's the golden age of sitcoms mixed with Christopher Guest, right? Like you do yeah. these kind of mockumentary style. You know, the office is a fake reality show. Where right, I feel right. like the beauty of Parks and Rec and Thirty Rock is they are written much more like The Simpsons was written, which was mm. you know the the it, it was joke beat joke beat joke beat. Like it was and almost layers and callbacks yeah, and it, like just. It, mm. it, 
it, you know, so and, and the Simpsons really invented that type of of comedy writing where it wasn't set them up, set them up, set them up, then knock them down. And relational right. tension, r- resolve the tension, set up, set up, knock down. You know, it's line joke, line joke, line joke. The, the, mm. All three of those shows, I feel like 30 Rock, uh, Parks and Rec and The Simpsons really have that hot, that joke density is really kind of what sets them apart. And 30 Rock is like mm. one of those where I find myself when I watch it, I enjoy it. I have a smile on my face for the entire episode, but I don't laugh out loud because if I made noise to laugh, I would miss something like wow. I would miss. It's that fast and good. And, and every beat of it is perfect. It is a great, incredibly written comedy and great acting, great comedic actors. I mean, Tracy Morgan's in it and Tina Fey's in it. And Alec Baldwin's character of Jack Donaghy is one of the best in television history. It's it, so th- funny. Th- this is a side note, but have you guys noticed the parallels between uh, uh, Tina Fey's character and Amy Poehler's character, but also the, the, the Ron Swanson and Jack Donaghy oh. are very, very similar in their, in their worldviews. Interesting. You know, they're yeah. both like these kind of hyper masculine, uh, Uber, you know, parodies of like Uber conservative ideals. It, it is funny, even the parallels between those two shows. Huh. I never thought just about a, that. Just, you a, have a, just a class gap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Interesting. Well, yeah. One, one works at in a little, like if, if Ron Swanson worked at a major television network, he would basically be Jack Donaghy. All know? right. So once it goes to Peacock after this special and you said Peacock's going to be free, that's cool. That's true. Uh, Derek, you can uh, start, start you your do the whole thing. 30 rock quest. I'm on it. I'm on it. We got to have a okay. debrief. I'll like watch the show and then we'll debrief. All right. I'm in. Hey, I'll start <laughs> yes. it over with you. I'll watch it with you. New Relevant Podcast Network show. The, the, the recap, 30 Rock decap. Yeah. And then, hey, and then when we're done with that, go over to the, the that show team, then went and did the un, uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. and mm. Andromedus uh, is, what, what's his name? What's his name? Titus. Titus Andromedon is one of the best yeah characters ever invented in comedy so anyway all right well that's a great update there we're we're covering stuff all day every day over at relevantmagazine.com you can follow us on all the socials uh for you know to keep up and then also tyler's the host of our daily podcast relevant daily where you get everything you need to know in about 10 minutes go check it out wherever you get your podcasts thanks for joining us tyler thanks everybody all right, stay tuned. Up next, Bryce Dallas Howard joins us. Trade my 4x4 for GC3, ain't no more freeless feet. I gave him chance, a chance, a chance again. I even told him, please. I find it crazy the police to shoot you and know that you dead, but still tell you to freeze. Nobody seen what I seen. I guess that mean hold him down if he say he can't breathe. It's too many mothers just grieving. They killing us for no reason. Been going on for too long to get it even. Throw us in cages like dogs and hyenas. I went to court and they sent me to prison. My mama was crushed when they said I can't leave. First I was drunk, then I sobered up quick when I heard all that time that they gave it to he got a license plus We just some products of our environment How the fuck they gon' blame us? You can't fight fire with fire, I know But at least we can turn off the flames on Every color person ain't dumb And all whites not racist I be judging by the mind and heart I ain't really in the face Just the way that we living is not getting better You gotta know how to survive You're listening to Lil Baby The song is The Bigger Picture Uh he just released that and is probably one of the most timely and important hip-hop songs to come out well, in a long time. But today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals or keeping you from experiencing peace and happiness? With the heaviness of all that's happening in our world, it's difficult to find joy and purpose sometimes. And that's why there's BetterHelp. 
BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You connect in a safe and private online environment, which is not only great for the quarantine season we're in, but it's convenient even as things get back to normal. You can start communicating in under 24 hours and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and you can send a message to your counselor anytime. To type it all off, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So if you want to start living a happier life today, try BetterHelp. And right now, as a relevant podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash relevant. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash relevant. Well, you may know Bryce Dallas Howard from her starring roles in movies like Jurassic World and The Help. But most recently, she teamed up with her somewhat famous father, Ron Howard, to create a documentary coming out on Father's Day that follows famous fathers like Will Smith, Jimmy Fallon, Neil Patrick Harris, and others. Our very own Tyler Huckabee recently spoke to her about the project. Here is part of our conversation with Bryce Dallas Howard. You're obviously getting more work as a director and uh, as a filmmaker. You hear there is some interest in this documentary about dads and they kind of want you to do it. What is your first thought? Are you Do you jump on it immediately or how did it come together? I just sort of in the room was like... Yeah, no, this sounds really cool. Like, here's what I think. I think I think we should get stand-up comedians um, who who are dads, and because um, they also wanted to do it within a year. Um, and normally, documentaries you're like having to like perch somewhere for like ten years to get like a little bit of footage. Um, and so I was like, let's let's talk. Let's talk to comedians who who have thought thought about this and view their lives through the lens of comedy, and um, and they can kind of be like a Greek chorus. And then we should we should um, dive into the daddy blogger community because they're going to have a ton of footage of their kids that we can we can hopefully build a story on top of, and then we can send a crew, you know, and and, and just just do it very um, very quickly. Because I was also directing on season one of Mandalorian at that time. Um, and so, uh, and so I knew it had to be kind of just like very targeted, these very targeted windows of, of production. Um, and, and I also was like, there's some footage that I shot of my grandfather recently passed away, um, a few years ago. And, you know, there might even be able to be a personal element that we can weave into this. And my dad straight up was like, no, <laughs> like, no, absolutely not. Like, no, like, no, you're not putting your move, your family into this movie. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and then I kept saying, when we were shooting, I was like, we need an expecting father. We need an expecting father. And, um, and my brother, uh, and my brother and his, his wife, um, uh, got pregnant. And it was actually, it wasn't even, they weren't even trying. Um, so it wasn't like I was manipulating this, <laughs> the production. Um, and, uh, and I asked, you know, would you be cool with me shooting, you know, filming you guys and stuff? And, and, 
And they were like, yes. And so that's, so it sort of happened all very organically. Did you, uh, did you go into making this doc with any sort of, uh, maybe preconceived notions about fatherhood, either your own relationship with your dad or just your conceptions of fatherhood in general that got challenged or maybe even overturned while you were shooting and studying this? The thing that came up again and again and again for me were um, blind spots, things that I had never, that never would have occurred to me that I'd never thought about that were massive, such as men do not have a rite of passage for becoming a father. Like women have a baby shower. Like that's a big deal. Like that's the thing. Like you don't want to miss a baby shower of yourself because like you, you need that community. You need that acknowledgement of this huge transition. Like you need people to, to rally around you and envision for you what is possible in this next chapter because like you, you're never going back and, and father's, have nothing, zero, zilch. Like, what? What is that communicating to fathers? They, uh, there's a there's a saying that uh, I can't really. I don't remember who said it, but they say you can never really know your parents. Do you feel like by turning the spotlight on your own dad, do you feel like you got to know him in a different way, or maybe you, a way you hadn't maybe thought about before? I think that, of course, but what I would say is that when you have, for, for me at least, having a parent who's been in the public eye since he was a little kid, there's a lot more that I'm privy to as their child because of, that, than most, you know, at least most of my peers with their parents because I, you know, the clippings of the newspapers were saved and we've got the episodes and there are memorable stories and, you know, people share things with me. And so as a byproduct of, of my dad, um, living a public life. And then also my dad and mom being together since they were 16. I, um, I do feel, I do feel like I, I, I definitely, I would like to think that I know them. Um, my mom in some ways is more mysterious than my dad because there are, you know, there's not quite as much, there wasn't as much focus on her and kind of capturing her, her, um, use in a way that she's able to like share that with us. Um, but I mean, it's always a revelation. It's also when you yourself become a parent, like you, like I started to understand my parents, think I understood my parents more and, um, and I'm sure that will continue. If you could leave people thinking, like, in a certain headspace, what would it be? I think that we were already seeing um, men go through a, a period of transition where it's really embraced to be vulnerable. It's really embraced to be um, to be connected to, like, just all sides of yourself. And, and, and for masculinity to not just be this binary thing and this very limiting kind of, like, idea that um, might be accurate for a very small percentage of the population um, or that only a small percentage of the population can actually identify with. So my hope is that within this, that, that dads are able to come away and kind of see part of themselves in this and feel... Um, feel connected uh, to others.
That was Bryce Dallas Howard. Make sure to check out her documentary, Dads. It premieres on Sunday, Father's Day, on Apple TV+. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. Listening to Argonaut and Wasp. The song is TBS. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, what I have is a hot take from Subway founder. No, sure. Um, <laughs> yes. Buckle up, everyone. <laughs> He's got some thoughts. Um, no, so by now we've probably all seen the videos that have been going around over the years from Boston Dynamics. They're like a a technology company that is largely funded by the defense department to make these crazy robots that, you know, the intentions of these robots have never been fully clear to me. You know, they make some that look, you know, that have arms and legs that can like walk on a treadmill and you can push it over and it gets back up. It's just a lot of creepy robots. What do you mean they're not clear? It's to replace human lives being on the front lines. They're going to send in a robotic army at some point that can traverse terrain like a human. Yeah, but but it's it just seems like we got a long way to go. That thing can barely well, you jump start on a, somewhere. It's, what do you? It, it's like they released this viral video of the thing <laughs> jumping on a six inch high box. Oh, what are they going to do next? Did you see, have you seen footage of people trying to invent airplanes back in the turn of the century? You got to start somewhere. They started well, with either gliders. Way, either and way, they, one all, okay. So so here's my point. Here's my point. That's the diversion. Like, yeah, I'm not going to be uh, afraid of something that if it trips over a curb can. 10 minutes later can stand on its own two feet. I think modern warfare uh, is, you know, safe in its current practice for a while. Um, So, but probably the most famous invention is that little dog thing. It's this little four-legged, it looks like a robot dog. Um, And they call it Spot. And it can run around and and, and do all this crazy stuff. It can jump. Now, that that, that very dog, are you guys Black Mirror fans at all? Do you watch Black Mirror? Yes. Okay, yes. so uh, uh, no, Derek, do you remember the episode? Uh, I think it's called Heavy Metal, and it's the one. It's the black and white episode where that uh, lady is pursued by that little robot dog. Do you remember that? Yep. yep. Craziness. So, so, so that little dog in that episode of Black Mirror, which is terrifying, a terrifying episode, um, is is was based on this Boston Dynamics dog. It's a four. It's a four-legged uh, uh, little robot, and they've been developing it for years and putting out all these videos. Well, now it is on sale for anyone who wants to buy one for the low price of $74,500, a very random price. Like, why don't you just make it? Like, who's like, you know, you know, if this thing was 75, I, I was going to hold off on buying it because I heard they were 75 grand, but you're knocking that extra 500 bucks off. I think I'll pull the trigger. I'll go ahead and pull the trigger on that robot dog. I don't want to, $500 is too good to be deal so anyway seventy four thousand five hundred dollars you can own one and you know so i started reading about like who would purchase one other than just someone who just has more money than they know what to do with and wants to bring it to like a park or something um 
The cool thing about these, you can operate them from anywhere in the world. So, like Cameron, let's say you had one of these dogs in your house. Okay, mm-hmm. you could you could be on the other side of the world and you could control it with your computer with zero latency. Like it's it's totally connected to you know you can control from anywhere. You can program kind of like the Jesse things. robot that we had in the office. Last yeah, year. exactly. I could fire him up anyway and just and just stroll around at an uncomfortably slow speed. We still have it. I have it, even though we're working remotely. I have it here at the house. It is a robot that goes around with wheels and it has an iPad for the face and the iPad is Jesse, a live video of Jesse's <laughs> face and Jesse from Virginia can control the robot and he'll roll around the office and like come up to people's desks and just talk to them. Now and he would like roll I will, away. I will say this. It was better in theory than in practice. No, we have because it. I, I got it because I thought it was hilarious. It, it's better in theory than in practice because I would be like, all right, I got a meeting at four. That means I need to fire up the robot and start making my way across the office at, at a sharp 345 or, or else I'm not going to make it in time. You know, I would just, I would just shout. Is anyone there? Can someone just pick me up? Pick me up and bring me to the meeting room. Otherwise I got to, yeah. Traverse yeah. the whole maze, you know. Of, but anyway, so so this dog seventy four five hundred dollars, um, and the they're saying that initially it could be used for like security purposes, like if you had like a big warehouse, or which is like what happened in Black Mirror. Uh, you know, you could have it hiding in a warehouse, and if you just want to take a look around at night, or you could program it because it has a camera on its face um, to go walk around and do stuff. They've actually also started using these in in Boston for. Um, um, uh, you know, they've equipped it with like thermometers to do like kind of uh, uh, taking people's temperature safely, um, you know, for like coronavirus purposes. So, hmm. you know, instead of having a, a medical worker there in a mask or whatever, they had this little dog walk up to you, you know, take your temperature and send the data back. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, they're also saying like, let's say there is some sort of like environmental disaster where it would be difficult to send people in. You could send you could control these dogs and they can run and jump around and check everything out. Here's the thing. That's all great. I'm starting to GoFundMe, and I want one of these bad boys. Okay? <laughs> and if you donate to my GoFundMe, I'll let you control it for like 50. Yeah, I'll give you a whole day. Okay? I'll create the tears, and you can rent it for a day. All right? I'm going to have a robot dog rental business, and I don't have I don't have the cash right now on me, but right. I feel like if I do the GoFundMe, other people are going to get on the ground floor of this. Who wouldn't want to have their own robot dog for a day? You know? <laughs> I've been finally waiting for this technology of the consumer market, and, it, and it's happened. I mean, the, the thing, the thing about these walking military, you know, the goal of, you know, this like walking military being, we've seen this in Star Wars with the ATAT things, the yeah. big things that walk and mm-hmm. every time they appear, including in the Mandalorian, the way that they defeat it is by tripping it. Yeah, I, like, I, I, yeah th- th- those, those, those dumb things. Like, I'm not a star. I think Star Wars is super lame. Put star a big Wars, rope up and then it'll walk over it and flip over. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, how are we going to defeat this army of, of, uh, of robot super soldiers? Well, according to the videos I saw, if you got a curb about eight inches off the ground, your, your battlefield is safe because they're all just going to be tripping over you it. just put and, a big old fishing line right across yeah. the field yeah. and then they all just, yeah. I was at a hotel once and ordered some like toothpaste or something and a robot brought it to me. No way. Yeah. You live in large. Well, I was just at a hotel, but they had this little robot thing and it came down the hall. It literally like somehow you knew it was there, opened the door and it had a tray. I'm serious, guys. Did you tip it? No. (laughs) 
There you go. <laughs> in. No, yeah. in. See, I, I've been, I, I used to love going in Sharper Image at the mall. One, when we had malls and two, when Sharper <laughs> yeah. Image was a thing. But then it started being like 90% massage chairs. And I'm like, ah, someone else has to bring me the cool remote control devices. Now that this is basically, you know, a, a, a lazy boy store with, with, you know, $10,000 massage chairs. Yeah. 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 All right. What do you have, Jamie? Okay, I've got something um, that just came out recently. Um, you guys like pancakes and syrup? Who, uh, of course. Many, yeah, I, I have. I have. You know, I'm. I'm. You know, two eyes, a mouth, and a heart. Don't I, Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> Side note: When my kids were really, really young, I didn't want to give them syrup because I was like, if they don't know, they don't need it. Like you know, if your kid doesn't know about She's syrup, they don't know about for syrup. Breakfast. No pancakes and some butter on it. I'm That's like, they don't need all the sugar. And then I was out to eat with a friend and her kids and she offered them syrup. And I was like, they don't know about syrup. And so, you know, they love the syrup. But anyhow, Aunt Jemima, the brand, um, just recently, praise the Lord, um, is going to update their um, their pancake mix and syrup. And they said, finally, what we've all kind of known that it's based on a racial stereotype and they're going to get a new name and a new image. They announced this just recently. Uh, it's a, it's 130 years old, this brand, and it features a black woman named Aunt Jemima. Uh, and they're going to change it. Thank goodness. People have been talking about this for a while. In fact, I found an article uh, from Dr. Richardson from 2015, who said the images of black womanhood on store shelves that go back to antebellum era and plantations. This is what our kids are seeing. Uh, I don't know if you guys are on TikTok. I'm not, but I did see this viral TikTok by uh, Kirby about how to make a non-racist breakfast. And she talks about Aunt Jemima and the brand. And so they're going to change it. I, I have a question for you, Derek. What up? Because you're, 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 you're black here. When I <laughs> <What>? go into, <laughs> when I go into the store, I've thought Theater this before. Theater of the mind. She's letting the listeners know. I'm letting the listeners know. It's a radio show. When I go, when I've gone in the store, I've seen this brand for, I mean, we've all bought this pancake mix and this syrup mix. Um, and I've had the thought, this seems odd that this is still on the shelf. As a black man, when you see it, you think that every single time you see it. Am I right? I'm going to keep it gangster. It didn't really cross my mind. Does it like, bother you? It, like, so I'll put it this way. Like, it wasn't until I started getting older and seeing the history of black mm-hmm. stereotypes that I was like, wait a minute. Okay. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, like it, it, shows. It, and, yeah, yeah, it was more like yeah, that. Like that's it was, what it was based off of. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was more, it was more like that. But off the rip, I was just like... Man, why they got this black woman in here looking like this on you know like I never thought yeah. like oh okay this is a oh this was a stereotype <laughs> and then you start looking at you know how it evolved over time and all that and then that's when I started getting frustrated so I, okay. I, yeah I, or not really frustrated it's just I think for me it's just been like it is what it is they're everywhere I mean it's like I'm not gonna be too mad at Angel Mama when in Nashville on I-65 you got Nathan Bedford Forrest on a horse you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's I've like I've seen that. Yes. <laughs> it's big yes. So it's like I'm not really, you know, that Edge of Mama, I wasn't really tripping off of her too much. I'm gonna keep it keep it gangster with you. But hey, look, get Angel Mama, let's get Miss Butterworth about the paint. Let's get Uncle Ben about the paint. Let's get the red skins about the paint. Let's let's 
let's let's let's take all this stuff down it does probably gonna start seeing that yeah Yeah. i mean lando lakes recently took the you know native american woman off the front of you know they had a picture of a native american woman sitting in front of a lake for on on their you know to sell butter like i think really happy like she was just really her life was really happy (laughs) yeah i'm well confused like what was the like it's like what what prompted the marketing team of whenever Edge of Mama was made was like, I got an idea. We're going to put a black man <laughs> well, on the front of this. And it's, gonna- <laughs> it's 130 years old. So I'm a, I'm assuming the marketing was like, oh, look, we are used to seeing black women cooking food in our yeah, kitchens. Like southern, and so, oh, southern yeah. recipe, authentic recipe. Yeah, it was 1890. Sure. And, and the, pic- the first depiction was uh, from a lady who was a former slave. Slave, and yeah. And she became the face of it. I remember, because uh, they've evolved it over the years. But, you know, in the 50s and 60s, that was the era where like, food brands had, you know, mascots, you know, like right, cereals right. and whatever. And that be, that was a big thing. That's just not the thing anymore, you know, but like yeah. these legacy brands just kind of continued and they would try to update them. I remember when I was a kid, Aunt Jemima was based on more of the original character that had the kerchief mm-hmm. and looked very Southern mm-hmm. and country. And then now she's, she looks like a modern woman. I remember yeah. that controversy when they made that change. I'm glad they're just ditching it because it's, it's sort of a bygone era, you know, and society has, has moved on and evolved. Yeah. And, and a lot of these brands need to evolve as well. So good for them. Man, That's yeah, happening. Yeah. Good for them. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Just, let's get, let's get all of it out the paint. I'm with That's right. you. Yeah. All right, Derek, what do you have? All right, so uh, I have a lady named Stacy. She's a police officer, and she had a meltdown because uh, her McMuffin didn't come on time. And I I feel bad for her. Like we're just gonna let Clark run the video, and then we could talk, oh, talk it's about on video. it. Yeah, it's 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 rough. I repeat my order and my coffee. Um, order, and <laughs> they asked me to pull up because my food's not ready. It's. Uh, an English muffin meal with a hash brown of coffee. And I mean, I hadn't eaten since uh, probably she about, I mean, I've been court right now <laughs> in a while. So I was kind of hungry and I'm still waiting and I'm still waiting and they asked me to pull up. So I pull up forward and, uh, a girl comes out with my coffee and just the coffee and she hands it to me and at my window down, and that's all she hands me is the coffee. So I told her, I said, don't bother with the food because right now I'm too nervous to take it. Right? It doesn't matter how many hours I've been up. It doesn't matter what I've done for anyone. Right now I'm too nervous to take a meal from McDonald's because I can't see it being made. I don't know what's going on with people nowadays. But please, just give us a break. Please, just give us a break. I'm confused, you guys. We getting shot. That's what's going on right now. Who's <laughs> <laughs> this little cop? Oh, it was just a lady. Is this a cop? She, yeah, she's a police car? officer. Yeah, she just, 
You know, she had to. She feels like she's being persecuted because she had to wait for her muffin. And now she thinks they're doing it on purpose to punish her because she's a cop. I was like, imagine being black. Okay. Yeah. I I, I haven't seen the video, so I don't know what she looks like or what was happening. I thought she was concerned about COVID. I didn't know what was happening. Mm -mm. She 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 just got her coffee. I think think she's being persecuted because she went to McDonald's. And about (laughs) I have about a 50-50 chance of the order getting right or on time uh, at the McDonald's near me. Has the milkshake machine ever worked at McDonald's? Yes. No, I need to. I need to. Has it ever worked? It's just that this is McDonald's. I mean, you're not going to Ruth Chris. It's McDonald's. Like it's a 16 year old kid that is making your burger or your McMuffin. I haven't eaten at McDonald's in like 15 years, so I don't know. Because you stay at hotels that have robots. You're just way above. You're way above that. Yeah, but I I thought it was crazy. I just in my mind, you know, I, I was like, man, if. If it's this bad right now for the past, you know, month and a half because you didn't get your food. And I know the frustration is probably this couldn't have been the issue. This yeah. was no. the straw that yeah. broke the camel's back. Like, obviously. And I feel bad for him. And I feel bad for police officers, too, because there's a lot of police officers that are good, that are doing their job, that are under a lot of pressure. But, you know, for me, I've never, ever in all my years of existence have been like, oh, yeah, I feel comfortable around police because we just mm-hmm. know yeah. You know, had there not been cameras, I mean, you know, had right. there not been cameras, people would still think that, you know, we're lying ab- right. about right. about these yeah. types of things. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I feel bad for her. But at the same time, I'm like, this is the reason why we're saying get the bad apples out of the bunch right. so that right. everyone can have peace. Like, get stop protecting those guys so people aren't afraid of. I don't want to be afraid of police. Well, my kids are afraid of police. Let's get the bad apples out yeah. of the out of the bunch. So then you, you, when you get your McMuffin, you don't feel like you're being persecuted. Like it's going right. to help everybody. Yeah. Before we uh, wrap slices, did you guys see on Wednesday, uh, the NBA has uh, released the 113 pages of rules for the uh, basketball bubble here in Orlando for the NBA to come back. So it's going to uh, happen. I don't follow NBA. What's happening? It's hundred percent. So at the end of July, the NBA season is going to resume. We're, uh, 22 of the 30 teams are going to come to Orlando. It's all the playoff teams. And then the, and then six teams that are within shot of the playoffs, they're going to play eight regular season games to determine playoff seedings. And then they're going to go into a playoffs. And then the uh, NBA champion will be crowned by no later than, um, uh, I, I believe it was, uh, October, November 12th, October 12th, mm. something like that. Anyway, so the whole playoffs. It's all happening in Orlando? It's all happening here in Orlando. There's uh, the ESPN wide world of sports has a huge complex here. And so all the NBA teams, there's multiple gyms, there's multiple arenas. And then obviously we have all the hotels and stuff. And so they've created a bubble and the NBA released 113 pages of rules for the players for the bubble. No doubles in table tennis. You can only play one-on-one ping pong. <laughs> okay, that's a big one. No caddies on the golf course. No sharing snorkels when you go swimming or snorkeling, guys. Uh, there's going to be uh, an anonymous tip line for players to snitch on each other if they see rule <laughs> violations. There's going to be, uh, it, let's see. So, I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole list. Whole list. So, are there going to be people that can, can you go watch the game, Cameron? No, no, no. No fans in attendance. No fans. Very, very limited team personnel. They're creating a, a literal bubble that they cannot leave for some. If you go deep in the playoffs, it could be three months. You I know? mean, so, 
they, they've got they had some of the greatest expert minds and thinkers on this. I mean, the the Cheesecake Factory folks, uh, <laughs> the Payway, all of them, all of them threw their hat in the ring. We're like, we can come up with something. All right. That'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Colony House joins us. coronavirus pandemic has people asking tough questions. Does anyone know what's going on? What are Christians supposed to do about the crisis? Where do we even start? If you're wrestling with questions like these, there's a new book just for you. It's called God and the Pandemic by N.T. Wright. In God and the Pandemic, you get an informed Christian reflection on the coronavirus and its aftermath. Authored by the renowned writer and biblical scholar, N.T. Wright, God in the Pandemic will help you interpret recent events in the light of the scripture and respond with biblically ground hope and wisdom. God and the Pandemic is an antidote to speculation and knee-jerk responses. N.T. Wright's book will help you deepen your faith and understand your calling now and in the post-virus world. Buy your copy of N.T. Wright's God and the Pandemic today at GodandThePandemic.com or wherever books are sold. That's GodandThePandemic.com Listening to Youngblood, the song is weird. Well, Colony House is one of our favorite indie bands from Nashville, Tennessee. They just released a brand new single, so we wanted to have them come on and tell us about it. We also wanted to hear about them canceling their tour because of the pandemic and the responsibility artists have to respond in a time of social injustice. Here's a little bit of our conversation with Colony House. You know, we released an album in January and we, we spent a long time working on it and um, and it was really easy to fall into that like not with I don't want to over over kind of sensationalize it, but the depressing side of it was like, oh, we worked so hard for this to for our legs to be cut out from under us. But it was cool. My our producer who um, it's just a dear friend and mentor in a lot of ways. He, he texted me about a week after everything had shut down and he was like, Hey, I know you're probably feeling a lot of things and a lot of uncertainty. Um, but just know you made the right record for the times the songs were supposed to come out when they came out, regardless of, um, of what happens, you know, on the business side of things, like just be confident that these songs came out when they were supposed to. And that was just a good reminder of like, that's why we do what we do, you know, to, 
to put hopefully light into the world. And for us, that's what we feel like we're supposed to do. And, and when times like these hit, that's when people really turn to these kind of, to music and books and movies to, um, to draw from, you know, be inspired by and, and hopefully help guide us out of it. I, that's what I do. You know, those are the things I, I look to, to like help me navigate it. started really locking on to with this album and even these few shows that we were able to play this year is like is who we are and what we're supposed to communicate and and just dialing in the DNA of the band and I think that does go outside of outside of live shows and it and it becomes like we've always said we want to be a conversational band we want it to be a two-way a two-way street um, not just us putting music out, but us putting music out and then really listening to the response and hearing how people translate these lyrics, how people, you know, um, what they're responding to as, as it is a collection of songs. And then the next batch of songs is usually response to that. So um, I think it's just tuning our ears in, in this season is is like tuning into those conversations and being like, all right, well, where are we going next? we thought was written about the world shutting down uh, and a pandemic happening and how it's interesting that, you know, the, the, the observation there was like, who would have thought that I could walk by a stranger and been like, how you doing? And they know exactly what I'm referring to. You know, that's a weird phenomenon that has never happened. And, and there's this weird, as much as there's like pain in that there's, a weird connection that all of a sudden you had with everyone else in the whole world. Now the lyric of this song has changed over the last week or two in regards to the whole, um, black lives matter movement. That is not a new movement at all, but like you said, has, I think the appropriate spotlight is finally being shown. Um, and that's what I love about music and lyrics and songs is like, you start, I started listening to this song that was written long before these protests and everything. And there's a, it takes on this whole new meaning. And it is a really introspective song about, you know, there's a lyric about holding the match while covered in ashes. And this idea that so often we're looking around us um, at like what the problem is. Why is, it, why is there fires raging around us and then you look down you're like oh i'm the one holding the match and there's soot all over my arm i i think i i started this fire maybe we draw lines in the sand build walls with our hands burn bridges out of fear build everything we don't understand until the walls come crashing down 
more of that conversation, go check out our feature with Colony House over at relevantmagazine.com. Hey. Truck to the plane, to the truck, truck to the hotel lobby Me, I go through underground garages, presidential suite on deposit Elevator up to the room, shower up and then we hit the club Touchdown, gotta see what's up, area code in my phone What numbers do I still have, who do I know from the past Hit one, she say she got a man, hit another one, it goes green You're listening to Drake featuring Gibeon, Chicago Freestyle It's one of my favorite songs right now Okay, normally this is where we do your feedback from the question of the week, but because this show is going a little bit long, uh, we are going to punt it to next week. Last week, we got talking about pranks, and you guys were sending in your stories of the best pranks that you've ever been part of. There's some really great stories, so we are going to save them and do it on next week's show. If you haven't sent in your favorite prank stories, hit us up on Twitter at relevant podcast, or you can message us on Instagram at relevant magazine. So there you go. So tell us your best prank stories. It's a continuation of last week's question of the week. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. Many thanks to Bryce Dallas Howard and Colony House for joining us. You can follow Bryce on Instagram at Bryce D Howard and check out her new documentary dads on father's day on Apple TV plus. You can also follow Colony House on Instagram at Colony House and check out their new single, When the Walls Come Crashing Down. It's a Jericho reference. Uh, wherever you <laughs> listen to music. All right. Well, on that note, we're things. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. And I'm Derek Miner. We will see you next week. Have a great week, everyone. Don't say anything dumb on a panel. <laughs> <laughs> talking, to you, talking to you, macaroni grill people. Yeah. <laughs> listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on twitter facebook and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts check out our relevant podcast network featuring shows like relevant daily signs of life unedited and many more launching throughout the year He got fried chicken saved. Relevant Podcast Network.